This is Jorge Fascinetti, and you are listening to another exclusive podcast from Pituitary World News. I met Laura Cheng a few months ago when she reached out to Pituitary World News, and we're really very glad she did. Laura is a nurse and a dedicated wife and loving mom of twin boys and was diagnosed with acromegaly in 2012 when she was just 22 years old. Her story is fascinating and her experience with acromegaly gives her a unique perspective. Laura has a degree in nursing uh, from the University of North Carolina at Greensboro and is currently pursuing a Master's of Science in Nursing at Duke University School of Nursing in their Family Nurse Practitioner Program. She is also enrolled in the Endocrine Certificate Program at Duke. Uh, Currently, she works as a clinical nurse at the Outpatient Endocrine Clinic in North Carolina and is a member of the Endocrine Nurses Society. We caught up with her after a busy day of work at the clinic. Here's our chat. Welcome to this podcast. It was great to meet you a few months ago, and we had a great conversation, so I wanted to to uh, share your story with everybody in the audience. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your um, your diagnosis story? It's so interesting. So and tell well, us when that you. happened. And yeah. Yeah. So first, I want to thank you for inviting me on Pituitary World News. I really appreciate that. And I'm glad that I had the opportunity to connect with you. Oh, yeah. Wonderful. Thank you. And it's always nice meeting someone else with acromegaly. Uh, it can be somewhat of an isolating thing at first until you meet others that are going through the same thing as you. But where my journey first started was... So let me ask you before you, you get started, do you do you not know a lot of people with acromegaly now, or do now do you do? Initially, I did not. Initially, um, yeah. And one of the places that I connected with individuals with acromegaly was through the Facebook group that Jill Sisko had put together. Fantastic group. She does a great, great job. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I know that was my experience, too. Uh, when I first got diagnosed, uh, I didn't know anybody with acromegaly. I had, you know, no clue. And then I went to a conference in Canada that I was mm-hmm. invited to speak, and that's how I met, you know, 50, I think there were 75 people with acromegaly in the room, which was quite an experience, as you can imagine. Absolutely. I mean, even if you can just meet one other person with acromegaly and get a chance to speak with them. Just to sit down, and it's such a amazingly, you know, cathartic kind of a, uh, a discussion when you just can, somebody truly, totally understands the uh, what you're going through. Anyway, uh, exactly. uh, so yeah, why don't you just, why don't you tell us a little bit about your, your uh, story? Okay. Well, um, I feel like I was a lucky one when it comes to this. Um, so what happened was I was young. Um, I had met the love of my life and he was discussing the potential of wanting children. And, um, I decided to come off my birth control at the time. And, um, coming off of that, I noticed that I was not having cycles, which is really concerning for someone that's, you know, not even barely 20 at the time, (laughs) you know, I think I was 19 at the time. And so, yes, pretty young to consider children. 
But for a year afterwards, I did not have my menses. And at the time, I didn't have insurance. So I was pretty concerned. And so I went and paid out of pocket to see an OBGYN to see what may have been the issue. And they did some blood work and found out that my prolactin levels were high. And at the time, I had no idea what that meant. Yes. Um, so they put me on some medications to try to jumpstart my cycles, as well as one drug called Docinex or Cavergoline. Mm-hmm. And pretty quickly, they, they came back. But he had mentioned that he wanted to do an MRI at the time. However, being uninsured and MRIs being as expensive as they are, I, I couldn't afford it. Yeah. And also being young, that mentality is, Oh no, I'm fine. Nothing's wrong with me. I don't need this. So for a period of time, you know, <clears throat> thought that I may have a pituitary tumor from the doctor's end, but from mine, I just totally disregarded it. And so four months later, boom, I'm pregnant. Luckily. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, just to fast forward a little bit quicker. Um, gave birth, but two weeks later, I started feeling really bad. And I had this stabbing pain in my head. Mm-hmm. Kind of felt like someone was taking an ice pick to it. Yeah. And um, I kept going to the emergency room because it was just so excruciating. I couldn't lay my head down on a pillow without screaming. And eventually, um, it got so bad that I advocated. I think it was about the fifth time that I went. I said, listen obviously something is going on. I wouldn't come to you this many times if I didn't feel like something is happening. Yeah. And so they did a CT scan and then that's where they found the pituitary tumor two week, two or three weeks after the kids were born. Yeah. So How old are your kids? How old are the kids now? They're 11 now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're going on 12. <laughs> Um, surprisingly. So they're making me feel older by the day. (laughs) But that was kind of something I'm like, I don't know what this is. And to be hit with that right after, you know, already a a major life event, so to speak, Mm -hmm. it was a lot. And so they referred me to a neurologist who did an MRI with CT, I mean, an MRI with contrast and without. And that's where they saw that it had hemorrhaged out. And that's what was causing all the headaches headaches and discomfort. Mm -hmm. And did, I had did, stopped that cabricoline while I was pregnant and my prolactin levels went sky high and, I, you know, hormones fluctuate so much during pregnancy and right after. So mm-hmm. um not sure if that's what caused it to hemorrhage the way that it did. But, yeah. Yeah. So when um, do you have did you have a prolactinoma then? Yes, yeah. that's what they classified it as was the prolactinoma. And, um, and then I got started back on that same medicine. And, you know, it's so quick acting that your levels go down so quickly. Yeah. So how did, when did you get diagnosed with acromegaly? So interesting enough, during pregnancy, that's when I started noticing symptoms. And I did, I was not aware of acromegaly. I had no idea. So you didn't have any symptoms or you did that you remember before? Right prior to pregnancy, I didn't notice anything. However, during pregnancy, my ring size went up from a four to a seven, 
and my foot size went from a six and a half to a nine wide, nine and a half. And I had those thoughts of like, well, I know your feet grow while you're pregnant, but this seems pretty excessive. Yeah. And so we moved back down to North Carolina where we're originally from. We were in New York at the time. And when I got established, I had reported those symptoms to the endocrinologist that I was seeing that was overtaking me, what they thought was a prolactinoma. And, you know, I mentioned it during the visit, but nothing transpired from that. So I'm like, Mm. okay, well, you know, maybe that was normal. However, he retired and I was sent a letter in the mail that I would be going to see another endocrinologist at Duke University Hospital and went in, said the same thing I said to that doctor. And by the end of the visit, it's, I think you have a diagnosis called acromegaly. I'm going to order some blood work. It takes a week or so to come back and I'll, you know, I'll call you if the results indicate anything. If you don't hear from me, it's a good thing. And so it was um, shortly after Christmas that I found out Hmm. that I had acromegaly. And you had never heard of it before? or Never. Even when she mentioned the name, I had no idea. Yeah. 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 So it's so, uh, um, you know, common, the story, not, not, you know, every, every, everyone's story is, is different, but there's so many things that are uh, common to everybody and, Having no clue is one of them. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, you know, I think we hear it so much of it. So, so tell me then, once you got diagnosed and uh, uh, you had your kids already, uh, so you went to nursing school, right? I did. Okay, so, so I, tell me about the decision for that and all of that yeah. great story. <laughs> so did I foresee nursing for me as a career prior to all of this that answer would have been no i told my mom i don't know what i want to do but i think travel and tourism and life had different plans yeah so um you know as we know first line treatment for acromegaly tends to be surgery to remove the tumor and so i had the surgery twice and while i was in the hospital i had some really wonderful nurses that took care of me and made me feel like I wasn't going through the surgery and the diagnosis and everything that it entails alone. And so to have that support, it made me feel like that I, that I need to be that support for someone, whether they have acromegaly or not, you know, Mm. you're going to have a patient that's going to have a really hard day and you might be that person that turns it around for them. I want to do that for them. And that's kind of what steered me towards nursing. Yeah. So um, tell me a little bit more about what you're doing now, because you have, as uh, you told me now, uh, uh, doing a study, a certification to become an endocrine nurse and specialize in in neuroendocrine uh, disorders, correct? Yes. So my hope is to specialize when I finish um, family nurse practitioner the family nurse practitioner program at Duke University School yeah. of Nursing. Um, my hope is to specialize in endocrinology. And of course, uh, I've, I've since fallen in love with the world of diabetes, so I hope to continue doing that. But really, I want to work with individuals with pituitary adenomas mm-hmm. and to make an impact on their treatment and their overall quality of life. 
Yeah. So yeah, it's been great. Uh, Duke, I believe, is the only one that has the endocrinology certificate program in the United States, and it's Good. led by Catherine Kreider, who is phenomenal. I've worked with her in the in the endocrine clinic too, and it's been great. I met Catherine thanks to you. You introduced her to me, so thank you for that. And she's fantastic. As a matter of fact, I should tell our audience that we are planning to do a uh, a, a little roundtable discussion on an, an endocrine nursing uh, nursing endocrine education and the need that for neuroendocrine nurses and <clears throat> you know the opportunities that are out there. So to 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 elevate the awareness a little bit of that of um, the opportunities there. So um, what, so tell me, other than, you know, uh, the, the studying work that you're doing, you're working as a nurse as well? Yes, so I yeah. currently work in an outpatient endocrine clinic. Okay, tell me a little bit about your work. What, so mainly I work with um, individuals that have type 1 and type 2 diabetes and thyroid disorders. Um, and then there is at the main clinic, uh, which I'm, I used to work at and I've since transferred to one of the other sites. Um, you know, they see a wealth of things like osteoporosis, osteopenia mm -hmm. disorders. So I would say having acromegaly has led me into this beautiful world of endocrine and it's expanded my knowledge so much and has allowed me to learn all these new things and meet so many wonderful providers and patients. Mm -hmm. So I would say with all the things that acromegaly probably brought my way that were not so great, it's brought me so many good things. Yeah, yeah. I think I think if you find a, a, a purpose uh, because of what happens to you is, is tremendous, you know, and you, you, I call it sometimes, uh, you know, a gift that you get, uh, that allows you to get into things that you never thought you would be in. I mean, if you were to ask me what I'd be doing, you know, 10, 11, 12 years after my diagnosis and retiring, the last thing I would have told you was publishing a rare disease, you know, pituitary <laughs> magazine. So so here we are, you know, and having a lot of fun doing it. So, it's just great so, how life turns out. Yeah, isn't it? It's incredible. And so, we're not meant to plan it. That's the thing. No, I think every <laughs> time you turn a corner, there's an opportunity that happens and you go through life if you go through life with that idea that you don't know what's coming and the opportunities are there for it and you're willing to really grab them and run with them Absolutely. Uh, that's really that's really commendable and that's great that you you're doing this work because it's so needed uh, so in your work today have you ever come up across another pituitary patient or i yes i have there yeah. was so tell me about that there's one day that I'll never forget because I'm pretty open with uh, about having acromegaly because I feel like we need to advocate more and make, make awareness for it. Fantastic. So I was open to my coworkers like, Hey, I have acromegaly. Um, just, just to let you guys know. And one of the nurses that was working with um, one of the providers that sees most of the pituitary patients, she said, Hey, we have this patient here who just got diagnosed with acromegaly and I know you have acromegaly and it seems like he probably needs some support do you mind going in and talking to him and I did and it was the best experience I ever had yeah to be Tell able to sit down with someone if you can yeah yeah so the wife had a, a few questions 
Um, one of them being about acro rage, which I know we talk a, a lot about mm-hmm. in the community. And I said, absolutely. I feel like it is a thing to validate, you know, what she was experiencing and what he was experiencing. He didn't like that he would get frustrated so quickly. And yeah. she wasn't quite sure how to handle that. And having, you know, been that person that goes through acro rage and my husband, the one dealing with me in that situation, <laughs> <laughs> I felt like I had a little bit of insight. And so that, you know, he could feel like it, it something's not wrong with me. It just, it's a hormone imbalance and it's making my body change and how I respond to those changes. Mm-hmm. So it was just phenomenal. And then, yeah. you know, I can say, if you're willing, because um, I don't want you to be alone with this after you leave and feel like you have no one to connect with, here's this Facebook group. If you feel like you're interested, no obligations to do it. It's fine if you don't. But if yeah. you ever, even years down the line, feel like you need to ask someone questions, this is a resource for you. Yeah. yeah I think the I think the advocacy groups and the patient supports group do a, fantastic job with that they there's a lot of challenges with that because as you know sometimes people get in, into uh, discussions that are not very helpful or a lot of misinformation that we need to but that's part of the it's part of the learning process you know what's what's true what's not what's going to help you what is not and then the, the idea that the the group can actually help um, you understand what how to deal with things you know I think I think that's really, really important. So, uh, Absolutely. It's, it's wonderful. I mean, you'll have so many questions along the way, and it's great that you have your provider to ask those questions to, but it's also wonderful when you have someone who's experienced it themselves. Yeah. And, you know, not every story is the same, but you'll see similarities. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned awareness, um, you know, uh, and I'm – I've read and been and written and have been written about in many ways. And the thing that, that I, I always see is uh, this idea that acromegaly is, uh, for that matter, other pituitary diseases as well, but acromegaly specifically, because there's so many changes that happen, uh, is a disease that you miss once. Uh, mm-hmm. And I had physicians say that to me, you know. I missed one, I'm not going to miss the second one. Or here's, I recognize the second one immediately after I had recognized the first one, and which is a very it's an interesting uh, play on awareness. And I think um, uh, the best thing that patients can do is try to tell their story because there's so many interesting things in everybody's story that, that relate to other people. And then the idea that... Uh, you know, it, it can happen to anyone. This is a random disease. I know there's some genetic issues, but mm-hmm. but uh, so w- what do you think are the barriers to to um, awareness? You know, what do you have any thoughts from your perspective and your work? What sort of things we could be doing? We, you know, in the media and the people that are trying to 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 generate noise about these diseases, so people recognize them earlier. Is there uh, do you have any thoughts on that? Well, that's a that's a big question. Oh, we could we could have a whole other podcast on that. We could but, hours, you know. <laughs> yes. So, you know, avocation goes a long way, and being in school, I, I feel like you know that that takes up majority of my time. So, yeah. 
school is finished, we can find ways to advocate. But, you know, one of the things I notice is um, when acromegaly is presented in textbooks for school, a lot of times the pictures that you see are the very classic like, there's no doubt looking at it that it's more than likely acromegaly. You are so right. And what they miss out on is the individuals that don't have those classic symptoms. And really, if you're catching it hopefully soon enough before they develop those symptoms, that's what we want, right? So, you know, if we could advocate and inform providers that not every patient is going to have you know, the the brow or the spaced teeth or the wide jaw or the enlarged hands, you know, having a picture of acromegaly in mind is great, but also listening to the patient mm -hmm. and what they're telling you. Because a lot of the symptoms kind of blend into anything else. Oh, I'm having weight gain. I'm tired. My joints ache. Are we looking at something thyroid? Yeah. Or, like, when are we putting acromegaly as a differential diagnosis in our in our bucket, so to speak? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I feel like if we can educate even primary care, ENT, dentists, every provider on the symptoms and, and truly actively listening, which most do, they're wonderful, to the patients and what they're experiencing... I know I was young at the time, yeah. but my symptoms, uh, you know, I don't know how many other diagnoses align with your hands growing and your feet growing so much in a nine-month time span. Yeah. Well, you know, I think you're 100% right on everything you just said. Uh, the, the stigma of acromegaly, I, you know, the first thing that I said, but, you know, I, it was, somebody said to me, well, this is a disease that Andrew the Giant has. Well, I don't look like Andrew the Giant. Are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> so does that mean that unless you walk into an office and you have that kind of a, you know, look, uh, somebody's going to say, oh, yeah, yeah, acromegaly, of course, yeah. But if not, if you look like anybody else, it's going to take another 10 years or six years or whatever long it takes to develop right. the, 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 anyway. So, so the stigma, I think, you're very correct, it's an issue that in the communications world we try to work with all, all the time, which is to tell people that this can happen anytime to anyone. Uh, we know that there are you know, genetic issues and it happens in clusters, but we really don't know that much about it, honestly. Uh, right. So um, it's, uh, yeah, it's fascinating. I, uh, I recently was uh, lucky enough to be asked to write a chapter for a book on acromegaly that Dr. Blevins and Dr. Aggie from UCSF. So there's a whole chapter in there, and it's, there's a link to it at the, in the website. But I was, I was talking precisely about what you just said. You know, we have to be able to suspect the disease sooner but, so we can actually affect the time it takes to diagnosis. And so mm -hmm. how are you doing now? How are, how are you, are you uh, in remission? Are you taking, I don't want, you know, you don't have to, um, oh, yeah. Tell us anything, but but um, uh, how are you feeling? I guess that's a better question. So since all of that kind of happened in my 20s, and, and, you know, I feel like the 20s are supposed to be like your good years. Like you're still young. You've got all this energy. Yeah. But really it was the 20, my 20s were so much harder than my 30s. I'm, I just turned 33 yesterday. Oh, happy birthday. 
So, but I feel great now having, you know, finally gotten to a point where my levels are controlled with Signifor. I take uh -huh. the pateriotide, yeah. um, milligrams. Now, granted, you know, every medicine comes with potential side effects. And one of, one of the things that it did was increase my blood sugar, mm -hmm. which developed to, to type two diabetes. Luckily, you know, in the world of diabetes, there's so much, uh, science and yes. medications that, so it's, it's controlled. So I wouldn't, um, change my regimen for the world as far mm -hmm. as, um, controlling my IGF one levels. But I'm, I feel good. Um, with acromegaly, I did gain, after the surgery, quite a bit of weight. Quite quite a bit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and yeah. that really um, sent me down a path that probably wasn't great. You know, um, I don't want to say depression, but it, it really had me in a bad spot mentally. Sure. And um, I know a lot in the community, we talk about the weight loss surgeries and the benefits that it can have for us. And I did go through that and I've seen some weight loss. And I think that also has helped tremendously. Yeah. 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 Well, there's, a, there's also, a, as you know, probably a lot of um, new medications that are very good for diabetes that apparently are also working pretty well for weight loss. So. Yeah, they have a new one out, and and people are—it's all the rave now. Yeah. E yes. Yeah. I was just reading about it. Eli Lilly's, uh, which apparently it's going to cost a lot of money, which is another issue. So I'm thinking about your experience. What What do you want people to know? You know, or, or that you know, maybe we haven't touched them in this podcast. That you would a message I would like you'd like to leave people with. Um, what would that be? So I think the final take-home message that I want anyone listening to this podcast to take is that acromegaly can alter and change a person's life in so many ways. And the impact that it can make can be profound, whether that be positive or negative. Mm -hmm. But I think that my diagnosis with, with a rare endocrine disorder really created and paved the pathway for the beginning of a beautiful journey in life. Now, don't get me wrong. It's not without its difficulties. Whatever it oh, may have taken from me, it absolutely sure. has given me so many positive things in return. So where I may have not had the best experience in endocrine, you know, system-wise with, with health. Yeah. Um, it, you know, I've got two beautiful children out of it. Yeah. And I, I'm so glad that life has happened the way that it has, and I wouldn't yeah. change. I wouldn't change it for the world. Well, that's fantastic because you also have the value that you bring, which is a tremendous perspective as a patient and as a nurse. You know, when you go, you know, when you get your 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 title and your certification for for endocrinology to be able to practice that. The, the, the um, support and help that you're going to bring to people and the perspective you're going to bring to them will be absolutely invaluable. I am sure of that. And it's, it's so fantastic that you have taken your condition and your disease to say, hey, I'm going to do something about this. Because the, the, 
people out there need a lot of help. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think uh, I think that's wonderful. Thank you. So 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 congratulations. Yeah. Thank you so much. And I know that you've been, you will be uh, working with us. So I'm, I'm looking forward to, to uh, future uh, discussions and and content and and uh, uh, you know all kinds of good things to help inform and educate. And your experiences, you know, are going to be invaluable. Um, but help inform and educate and increase awareness of these diseases that are still really tough to diagnose and take so long. Well, I look so, forward to it. Let's have many yeah. more discussions and hopefully Wonderful. we'll get the, the word out. Absolutely. Laura, thanks thanks a ton for uh, doing this. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you for your time and and uh, uh, good luck with all of the, the your studies. Thank you. You as well. Thank you. You have been listening to another exclusive podcast from Pituitary World News. Please send us your comments and suggestions for programs and tune in for our live call-in program on Thursdays at 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Go to pituitaryworldnews.org for details on each program and find out how you can participate. Thank you for listening.